Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and then 17 to 32. Verse 1 introduces what the whole chapter is really about. It's about life changes which produce unity in the body of Christ. And the book of Ephesians is all about how God unites us because he saves us, he calls us, he provides for us, he makes for us. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity, with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one with you, and one with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steals no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with those who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. An awesome and a powerful portion of God's word speaks directly to our current situation in our country today. We're experiencing the sense of a great division on the basis of deep philosophical, ideological differences. And just to give it, Proverbs 29, 27 says, The wicked are an abomination to the righteous, and the righteous are an abomination to the wicked. There's the spiritual division right there automatically, because there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who know God, and those who do not. Those who are righteous, those who are wicked. That's why we have differences. But in order to have unity, we have to be able to settle our differences. When you get married, you start learning about the differences 
and how you have to make adjustments to your differences and settle the differences. You know, like which way do you squeeze the toothpaste tube, you know? That was big. And then they came out with the pump, you know, no problem, just push the button and the pump's up. Now we're back to the tubes. Then we have fun. And it's a testing, yeah? It's all just crazy stuff, isn't it? Just little stuff. The difference is that the disunity, this great disunity that we're experiencing is dangerous for our well-being. Pastor Mitch has talked about the angst that's been allowed to fester and flare up into the protesting and demonstrating we're, we're watching. And to a certain extent, this has filtered into the churches and is causing problems and slowing the progress and effectiveness of the church mission of per persuading people to turn away from their simple ways and turn to God's ways, which are the ways of peace and unity. The Lord our God desires for us, his people, to live in peace, harmony, and unity. And that's what our portion of scripture today teaches us. So the other day, Tigger hopped over to Eeyore's house. Eeyore was putting a sign on his little trailer. So Tigger asked him, hey, old buddy, why are you putting that sign in your trailer? Well, my friend, my sign says, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. And I want people to know that God desires for his people to dwell in unity because of what God has done for them. <laughs> That's great, old buddy. Praise the Lord for Tigger and yours. Amen. So our verse 20. Paul talking, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's a great, great challenge to each of us. How are we responding to that? How do we listen to the Word of God? And how do we let it sink into our heads, down into our hearts, that it produces life changes that God desires. We have the life change of being called by God. On July 24th, 1965, at about 11.15 in the morning, I opened my heart to Jesus Christ and received him as a Lord and Savior. And I was immediately changed. I can't explain it. Something was totally different inside of me. There was an extreme quietness. God began to change my life. That was a Thursday. And uh, five of my siblings also responded in the same way. The next day, my mom stopped after work at the Bible bookstore. Bought each one of us a Bible. And that night, I started reading. And that night from then, I read myself to sleep every night. Every night, I would read till I sleep. Sometimes to 1 o'clock in the morning. I wake up and I look bed. God changed me. And now you're seeing some of the results of how God has changed my life to bring me here. But how are we called by God? We're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The people who don't know God, they're lost in the darkness and they don't even know it. God has called us from death 
and sin unto life, the life of God. Because regeneration is when you receive Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes inside of you, making you alive unto God. That's called regeneration. We are called away from judgment into forgiveness because we stand already condemned. John 3, 36. He that believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, he is condemned already because he has not believed on the one and only name of the Son of God. That's where you stand under the judgment of God until you receive forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We're called away from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. The old chorus back in the 60s, if you want joy, 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 let Jesus come into your heart. And real joy is Jesus, others, and you. Jesus first, others next, yourself last. You don't have to worry about yourself, because the book of Proverbs says, if anyone ministers and uh, waters another person, they will be watered. God has promised to bring back to you. If you sow or give out, God is going to give back to you more than you can imagine. We are to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Now, what does the word walk mean? Does it mean I walk this way, or I walk this way, or I walk this way? What is it talking about? What's the walk? It's your whole process of conducting your life. Living up to what you've been called. Called to be a saint. Called to be holy. Called to become like Jesus. Called by God to walk with him through life into everlasting life. To walk in humility. Isaiah 57, 15 says. Thus says the high and lofty one. The one who is eternal. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and lofty place. But I also dwell with the person who has repented toward me. Humble in my presence. Micah 6 8. What does the Lord your God require of you but to practice justice, to love mercy, and walk in humility with your God? Here we return to walk with gentleness, walk with patience, walk with forbearance and love. You know what this word forbearance really means? It's to put your shoulder under the heavy load and hold it, and stand there and keep holding it. That's what we're to do with each other. With all of our idiosyncrasies and differences, differences of thinking, God says, put your shoulder under and support them. And someone else has you under their shoulder supporting you. That's how God wants it to work. That's how God has ordained it to work. As it says in Galatians, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And here it says, conduct your whole manner of life, being diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit. One walk in the bond of peace. Be at peace. So many times, you know, Romans tell us, as much as lies in you, be at peace with all people, all individuals. So we have the life change being called by God. But we also have the life change of becoming 
the new person that you really are in Christ. You're a new person. You're a new creation in Christ. Created for his purpose, for his glory, to do his good works. We're challenged here. No longer live your life like an unregenerate pagan, a person who doesn't know God, futile in their thinking, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life that's in God. They don't know anything about this life that we have in God, knowing Jesus Christ and having the Spirit of God inside of us to empower us and strengthen us and draw us to God and help us to understand the Scriptures, to enlighten our hearts and minds to the Word of God and the will of God. They're ignorant, ignorant due to hardness of heart. They've lost all sense of shame. We look around and look at our country. Look at our whole world. People have lost the sense of shame. They're not ashamed of anything. They don't care what anyone else thinks. And that contributes to this disunity. They're given over to sensuality, to anything that they think and feel that they want to do, that's what they want to do. Out in Las Vegas, every summer, there's a, a weekend, a long weekend, of people who gather together, and even Christians participate in it. And they practice hedonism. Do anything you want to do. They strip their clothes off. They do whatever they want to do. And it's crazy. Lost the sense of shame. The life change of becoming the new person because you're a new person in Christ. Have you heard of him? Have you heard of Jesus Christ? Jesus who is the living God come down in human form to dwell among us and bring us grace and truth. He who went to the cross to take our sins upon him and to rise again from the dead with power and authority. We've been taught in Jesus Christ. Never walk away from it. And how have we been taught? According to the truth. This is the truth. And you can't get enough of the truth. There's not one of us in this building who has memorized this book yet. I've memorized a lot. And so has Katie Fisher. A lot of others. But we have not memorized at all. Jack Benimpi is the only man that I know who memorized almost the entire Bible. And he worked at it all of his life. Kept working at it right to the end. Because once you learn something, you have to review or you forget it. Right, Katie? Yeah, you have to keep reviewing. Uh, any of you school teachers, you know that what's one of the laws of teaching? Review, review, review. Because you tend to forget, forget, forget. You've heard of him. You've been taught of him according to the truth. Because if any person is in Christ, he is a new person, a new creation. A new created person possessing the life of God. And here he says, you be about the business of putting off your old person. The old person you were. You were dead in trespasses and sins, corrupted by sinful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service and worship. And do no longer be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to change the way you think about God, about yourself, about other people, about the world around you, about the world events, and about, about God's plan. Renew your mind. How can you renew your mind? Saturate it with the word of God. This is how God wants to change you. Read it, read it, read it. Memorize it, memorize it, memorize it. Speak it, speak it, speak it. Talk it, tell it to others. Put on the new person. Created to become like God in true righteousness, holiness. That's what we've been called to. We've been called to do this, to put this on. Members, one of another. Part of the body, be in unity with. Now catch this. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ and his body. Every choice we make, every action we do must be done with respect to Christ and his church to prompt and promote unity and love. As Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is, but regularly assemble to do what? To provoke one another to love and to good works. We're not to provoke each other, but unto love and good works. Inspire each other to love God, to love the people around us. Help us all know and follow Jesus. That's what we need to be inspired to do. Encourage each other to do that. That's our business as God's people. The Bible tells us you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And some translations have it. Glorify God in your spirit, which belong to God. I want to read to this from Benson's commentary. Therefore, glorify God in your body by temperance, chastity, purity, and in your spirit by faith, hope, and love, humility, resignation, patience, by meekness, gentleness, long-suffering, and universal benevolence. Or as the words may with equal prior to be rendered, glorify him with your body and your spirit. That is, yield your bodies and all your members as well as your souls and all their faculties as instruments of righteousness to God. Or devote and employ all you have and all that you are entirely, unreservedly, and forever to his glory. Amen? And powerful words. The life change of controlling anger. Don't let anger go to sin. And that's a tall order. Because our natural reaction and response to life is, yeah, get angry. Then commit sin. Be wrong. Spew out words that you don't really mean. Injure another person. God said, don't let your anger continue to another day. Bring it to the foot of the cross. Leave it to Christ. If you don't, then you leave open the door for Satan to work in your heart and in your life. As Pastor Mitch has reminded us of James 1, my beloved brothers, understand this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and every expression of evil. And humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save your souls. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Hebrews 12.15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. By it, many become defiled. Many a church has been destroyed because of a root of bitterness that is allowed to enter in, and people are allowed to express anger without speaking the truth in love. Many churches have been put to death because of that. Here, no longer stealing, but working what is good. For what purpose? So you could have something to share with those in need. God wants to bless your life so you have an abundance so you can share with someone who has a need. And he promised to bless you if you do. And finally, the most important here, the life change in our manner of speaking. Someone asked about that. I was telling them just before church. Today I'm, talk, I'm going to talk about speaking with the tongue. Not speaking in tongues, but speaking with the tongue. Book of James says, the tongue is an unruly evil. No man can tame it. It is set on fire by hell. And that's why God says, bring your tongue under the control of the Spirit of God. Submit it to God. This is things you can do. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only talk that builds another person up. Edification to build up, to construct a structure like this. This is an edifice that has been built by edifying, putting it together. And you and I are to be about the business of edifying each other, building us up in our most holy faith. That we can strong as a temple reflecting the spirit of God and the person of Christ and the glory of the living God. Let your manner of speaking be filled with grace, that it brings grace to those who hear you. If you're not doing these things, you may be grieving the Spirit of God when you don't speak the truth in love, when you don't speak words of grace, when you don't speak words that build others up. You're grieving the Spirit of God, causing great anguish and distress to the Spirit of God. Here it says, not giving an outcry. Clamor, clamorous, screaming, or shrieking that is extremely boisterous, like a wounded person emitting unearthly, non-human types of sounds. And finally, not speaking slander, abusive, false accusation. It's described as the action or crime of making a false spoken statement. Damaging to a person's reputation. Calumny. Casting aspersion on another person's character, actions, words, or motives. Whispering about another person. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? 
hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? I didn't like the way she dressed in church last Sunday. That's slander. That's a violation of the one of the commandments. Do not lift up a false accusation against another. If you do, you're not speaking the truth in love. You're speaking a lie. Psalm 39, the psalmist says, I will watch my ways so that I will not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. Don't you wish you had a muzzle sometimes? <laughs> Get all shut. We all do. We have to work at it. And with the power and the grace of God, we can bring it under God's control. James chapter 4, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges him. And if you judge the law, you're not a practitioner of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and only one judge, the one who was able to save and destroy. But who are you? To judge your neighbor. We need the life change in our manner of speaking. That it reflects the personality of Christ. Amen. And that leads us to the life change of becoming kind. And tender hearted. We here experience a lot of that kindness. And tender hearted. When someone we know of in our family or related to our church family is hurting or having a problem. There's a kindness, a tenderheartedness. That's why we go to prayer and pray for them. I've experienced it with the injuries, you know, with my leg and the, the Lyme disease. To experience the healing of God and to actually feel strength that comes from God because his people are praying. And I've had so many of you tell me the same thing. We experience that here. Keep it up. Never give up on it. Be kind and tenderhearted. Then this life change of forgiving. It's to be an ongoing way of life. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's insight gives him patience, and it is to his honor to overlook an offense. Is it easy to overlook when somebody offends you, when somebody says something you don't like, or they do something that bothers you, is it easy to forgive? Is it easy to overlook that? It gets easier as you walk closer to Christ because you let him have it. You hand it over to him. And then it becomes an honor to you to overlook an offense. 1 Corinthians 10, 32 says, Give no offense to Jew or Gentile or to the church of God. That's very strong and powerful. Just don't give an offense to a Jew or a Gentile or the church of Christ. Colossians 3 reminds us of this. If anyone has a complaint against another, be forgiving each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. And then he put there, so also you must forgive. 
Because even in our Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then the Lord put right on the end of that. Because if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. Many people have held unforgiveness towards someone else or another person. And it becomes like a great big ball and chain on their leg and in their spiritual life. Dragging them down. Keeping them from progressing and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing these scriptures forces us to think through and ask ourselves. Is my manner of speaking speaking the truth in love? Is my manner of speaking building others up? Is my manner of speaking ministering grace to everyone who hears what I say? Is, what I, is my manner of speaking possibly grieving the Spirit of God? Love, that's, that's very dangerous to grieve the Spirit of God. We need to put these things away. Is my manner of speaking demonstrating that I love God? That I love people? That I want to help us all know and follow Jesus? We all need to meditate heavily on this matter and surrender our whole person to God and surrender our tongues to God daily, hour by hour, minute by minute. 